Hello, hello, and welcome to And What Did We Learn? I am starting out a new series. If you didn't see it on my Instagram, um, I intended to post this episode yesterday. <laughs> didn't happen. I was feeling like garbage. Not really interesting news to anybody, but I just wanted to apologize and say, here we go. We're starting. Um, here's our adventure into intervention. I decided to do a few in a row first of all, because I love the show, um, but also because the next season, whatever number, I, it's not that I can't keep track. It's just that it's different based on which format you watch it. So I'm not going to bother. But the new new episodes of Intervention are, are going to premiere, um, start premiering on A&E on March 15th. And that is a week from today. Woo! So I'm not going to air them. It's not a recap podcast. I'm not going to, you know, every night intervention airs just give you the details um it's more that i'm going to i'm really excited for more intervention content not that i don't already watch it all the time but i am so stoked for new episodes especially now that i have a podcast um so i can talk about them and i'm for sure gonna have guests on um so yeah i'm really excited and my my idea for working my way up to this was to just do three at least three if more if you guys have more suggestions because i did reach out and say hey what are episodes that really stuck with you you listeners and i did get two responses already from two of my amazing beautiful patrons betsy and kim thank you ladies you are so wonderful for so many reasons especially for jumping on and wanting to contribute um they both suggested some really great ideas and i'm really excited to incorporate those uh today I'm going to be doing episode, so according to Amazon as well as ane.com, this is episode four of season 11, which I believe was in, shoot, I had the year and then I forgot it. It's like 2012, I think. Um, so I will double check that though. Uh, but so this is quite a ways back. This is like 10 or 11 12 seasons ago, but of course they do more than one season a year. However, it's a little bit older. Um, I picked this episode to go to first because honestly, Kimberly's episode um, is one that stuck with me. I said best of and worst of in my Instagram post. And by that, I mean like some of it can be really inspiring. Like you remember it because it's like, whoa, this person came really, really far from where they were, you know? And then there can be like worse, like, wow, this person's a nightmare. And I don't know if addiction is their root issue, you know, or anything in between. Um, so this first one that I'm starting with, it to me, it's a banger. Everything, like so much shit goes down. And this woman is pretty unbearable, if you ask me. And it really doesn't matter whether she's sober or not. I mean, I won't spoil it as I talk, but... Um, I'm not saying anybody's a lost cause and I'm not saying that anybody's bad for being an addict. Uh, this, this person, however, is extremely problematic and I'm going to get into it. And, you know, I mean, I think it's fair because while we don't want to judge all addicts as being, you know, bad or, or anything, um, any blanket statement, we don't want to make canonize them all and say like, hey, they're all amazing just the same way we don't want to say they're all trash. And by they, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i included because I have, you know, I had eating disorders for years and years and years. We're all people at the heart of it. So it's not about whether you're an addict. It's about how you deal with the situations in your life 
and I guess how you respond when there are resources available to you. So uh, I think that's all I needed to say before we get into it. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh, one more thing. I want to say a huge thank you to the person that put up the second review on my iTunes and gave me five stars and said, I love the show and I love Sarah and gave a little heart emoji. I don't know if you're a patron or not, but I love you. And um, here's what's up. So for both this show and what did we learn as well as Coast to Coast Cocktails, I've decided that you know, I'm asking you all to leave reviews, but I'm not really offering any incentive. And as a behavioral therapist, I should know better. So I was thinking I have a, a lot of merch, both for my show. I have magnets and stickers for my show. And then I have uh, reusable wine glasses with the Coast to Coast decal on them, the logo. I have extra, like I have, uh, did I make that up? Stickers from uh, Justine, my podcast partners um, in a personal project. So what I'm going to do is say, hey, if you have left or in the future leave, um, and by future, I mean like right away, <laughs> but please, uh, whenever you can, leave a review on iTunes for either Coast to Coast Cocktails or And What Did We Learn? I want to send you free merch. And yes, I mean free. You don't have to pay for shipping or anything. I want you to be invested in this. And, and part of being invested is having a little keepsake some something for your money so um something for your money something for your time so what i will ask you to do is go ahead and follow me if you aren't already at and what did we learn on instagram you can also follow at coast to coast cocktails pod spelled exactly like they sound both of them there's no weird tricks um again those are both on instagram and if you leave us an itunes review with like texts text in it um, as well as a rating, we will absolutely send you merch. All you need to do is DM me, or you can DM Coast to Coast Pop Cocktails, but uh, you can go ahead and DM me regardless of where you left your review. And um, just like provide me of a screenshot or something like proof that it, you left it, that that's your screen name, or you can just tell me what it said. Um, and, and as long as you're comfortable, give me a safe address and I will send it to you. And then we'll go on from there. Okay, I think that's enough businessy business stuff. I really hope you all enjoy this episode. I I know enjoy is not always the right word to use when we talk about things that are upsetting, but it again, like I said, this is one that has stuck with me since I saw it the first time years ago. So, without further ado, season eleven. My cats are yelling at me from outside the closet. Season eleven, episode four, Kimberly. Okay, I am not going to play the original like you know the lead up where they do the dun, 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 and they show you kind of the like overview of what the episode is going to be because i don't really want to give anything away it's not pre if it were previously on sure but um we can leave that audio out i will be putting some audio in um just because there's some things that you really like i don't know something about kimberly's tone um there's just a lot to pick up from actually hearing the dialogue, not just Kimberly, but like her partner, her boyfriend, um, I would say are also the dynamic between them is very twisted, um, as well as how she speaks about herself. Okay, sorry, I'm just getting too far into it. But what I am gonna start us out with is um, 
Kimberly presents herself to us or tries to present herself to the documentary crew as a lady who lunches. And if you don't know what that means, essentially, you know, someone who's wealthy, well-to-do, doesn't need to work, um, is kind of a socialite of sorts, is very house proud. But it's clear that she's A, wasted, and B, this is not her house and she doesn't know what she's talking about. And C, like, it's such a bummer. So she is walking through a very nice home. Um, but however, it is not hers, as we will find out. So I just want to play this audio for you so you can kind of get a sense of how, like, Kimberly seems to think she's fooling everybody and, like, kicking ass and is also, I don't know, she has such a strange attitude about her. Um, I'll get into it more after we play this. But without further ado. Hello. This is my home. Come on in. My name is Kimberly. I'm 34 years old and I live in Elkhart, Indiana. This is my very favorite house. Nine bathrooms and all. This is my favorite dog. His name's Susie. This is a study. We read in here a lot. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut this off, but can I just point out, this is my favorite house? What does that even mean? She's just saying words that she thinks sound right. Not just because it's not her house, but also because she's bombed. Also, I like, she's like, here's the study we read here. <laughs> here's the bedroom we sleep here. Anyway, here we go. This goes into the master bedroom. Okay, so now we're going to go into my living room. The pictures up there, they're mostly um, Romanesque, I think. I think they're Romanesque. My lifestyle is very posh. I don't worry about money. We have housekeepers. I live in a beautiful home. I'm very lucky and I'm grateful. This is my favorite game in the game of air hockey. This is foosball and I'm horrible at it. We have a game or a book or something to eat for every age of every person. That's what a home should be. I have a big home, but I'll tell you one thing, I have a big heart, and we're just normal people. I love this room. This is our cigar and our wine room, and you'll notice there's relatively little wine in here because I drink it all. Um, I'm an alcoholic. Of this, we know. Um, so I'm, again, I'm not trying to bash Kimberly. I've watched this episode so many times, so it's hard for me not to jump forward, but I'm going to stick with where we are. Okay. I'll post, uh, I will, uh, guys, I'm really working on the blog, um, but I will post pictures of Kimberly or like of this episode on my Instagram because this is a series. I'm going to try and add extra pictures. I'm also working on a show blog so that I can have uh both for Coast to Coast as well as in What Did We Learn, you can have like a whole slideshow for every episode so you can really see what we're talking about. Because I just think that makes the listening experience more fun. Something to look forward to. I always like it when the podcasts that I listen to do that. Um, shout out to Wine and Crime. They're really, really awesome at doing that. And I know billions and millions of other pods that are great. I just can't sit here and name all of them. Um, so Kimberly, wow, there's a lot of sadness and defeat in her eyes, but also like, come at me, like, come try and tell me I'm not a victim. Tell me I don't deserve to drink, kind of. So there's a lot of stuff there. And her, I will say her path is is 
is rough. Um, she didn't have an easy go of it with her childhood, which we'll get into. But right now we're really just looking at Kimberly as, okay, she's 34 years old. She lives, from what we can see now, she lives in a very big home. Um, and she's just touting a lot of language, a lot of words. We have a book or a game or a, a clo or food for any age of anyone in this house. And that's what a home should be, which is, it's a very ironic statement because her home is empty and it's always empty. Um, and also she has two children that she can't see and I'm not blaming her. Well, I am blaming her, but I am not um, assuming that she's not thinking about that in this moment. It's just like a home should be wherever your family is, right? So it just seems like a lot of talk and she's really working hard to present herself a certain way, regardless of the fact that she knows she's being interviewed for having a substance abuse problem. Um, and we will get kind of her take on that her words on the substance abuse uh as we go on it doesn't change much but we'll let's get like a fresh sound clip from her and then move forward from there when i'm drinking the feeling that it gives me is it's calm it takes my anxiety away it makes my problems go away And then we get a cut-in where we learn that Kimberly drinks up to a gallon of wine, six bottles of beer, and a fifth of vodka a day. That's that's extreme. Um, obviously, that's extreme. But it's also it's more extreme than a, even some of the worst alcoholics that we see on here. They'll be like, yeah, I have my bottle of vodka a day. There's no point in comparing numbers in terms of addiction there's really only the point of sickness and how controlled are you by this addiction and how close are you to death based on what you're doing to your body or what's been done to your body by this substance. So I'm not going to say that like, whoa, dude, some people only drink this much. It's like, I did the same thing when I was, you know, had an eating disorder and I compared myself to others. Dude, we're all sick. Same with trauma. It's uh, when I was in um, trauma therapy, you know, we were told first off, you're all going to think that everybody else's trauma is worse than yours, but yours is valid. So Kimberly's a little bit of the opposite of that attitude. She's sort of like, anything I've been through is worse than anything anybody could ever go through, including her children. Um, Kimberly's definitely a, has a childlike mind. Um, entitled and like really, really resentful. Like, I am owed this. This is the only thing that helps me and I'm owed this. And anybody she can blame, outwardly, she will, including her boyfriend, who I'll admit does some questionable things. Um, and her mom, who is really just the constant, um, constant, what is the word that I'm looking for? Doormat, um, which is obviously explained more as we go forward. So Kimberly drinks a ton and that's a bummer. Um, so let's get a little bit more information on where she is at in this point, And then what we'll do, what will happen is, uh, as in, in typical intervention fashion, it goes, it delves into her upbringing, which is not as maybe traumatic as it needed to be. I, I, or was more challenging than it needed to be, possibly because of just behavioral issues. I think Kimberly grew up with a lot of behavioral issues as well as resentment and attitude or whatever, but that's all behavioral, right? So it's just a matter of figuring out where it comes from and, and solving it. But obviously she's come to a point where she deals with whatever comes across her path, either with alcohol or with, you know, vitriol, anger, blame, 
that's all she knows how to do is be on the defense and to use. My typical day is I wake up in the morning feeling like complete and then I'll have what I call my morning cocktail. I'm going upstairs to get my well-deserved morning cocktail. I usually have one of those just to try to stabilize myself. Sometimes I will throw that up. <coughs> then I'll have to have another one. Usually by dinner time, I'll just start really hitting it hard. Much better. My daughter drinks more than I could ever imagine anyone being able to consume. And then we get, you know, what we would expect to see, the warnings about what excessive alcohol consumption can do. And I, I'm always kind of half and half with these because sometimes I'm like, okay, we know. But then at the same time, I'm like, I guess we don't know or it needs to be put in our face. And sometimes I'm just like, okay, excessive alcohol consumption can lead to cancer of the esophagus, liver, and colon. And I'm like, and this, and this, and this. Like, there's so many other things. So they're actually cutting back and just giving you a blurb that's going to stick with you. But in reality, excessive alcohol consumption can lead to a, ton, a shit ton of things that will most likely lead to death. And I am, again, not judging. I have had my own ups and downs um, with alcohol, never to this degree. Mostly when I was struggling with bulimia and then struggling to recover from bulimia because of trauma, et cetera, and everything else. Like there was a whole thing, um, but a whole mix of things. Um, and yeah, I, I certainly fucked up and, and did not behave well, but I can say at least that I recognize the dangers, social dangers and physical dangers um, now. And I'm really just while we're on the topic, I'm super excited because I've gotten myself to a place where drinking is something that I can say yes or no to. Like, and it's not always yes. <laughs> and and I stop when I need to stop, um, which I didn't used to know how to do. Um, and if you're wondering how, I simply just used behavior modification. I did this little app where it helps you track your drinks and then it helps you set goals. And, and I did it for like, I think maybe two months and it's stuck. So Applied behavioral analysis, everybody. It works for us all. And anybody who uses Noom, that's what Noom is. So, yay. Okay. I, they are not. They don't. They don't sponsor me. They'd be. I would love if they would sponsor me because that would be like a great branding. Because <laughs> I work in cognitive behavioral therapy and applied behavioral analysis, and that's what they do. Anyway, off topic. Um, you know, one thing that drugs and alcohol do is help you ignore the dangers of drugs and alcohol, and we all know that. And same with eating disorders. When I was purging and and restricting, especially the purging, I knew it was really harmful. But it was like, okay, stop telling me it's harmful. I'm powerful. I'm powerless right now. You know, that's a lot of times how you feel. So, when Kim initially begins drinking, she's very happy. But as that drinking episode proceeds. She begins to get a little incoherent. Piss, all right. This a ass. When Kimberly's at her most hammered state, she's angry at the world. I want to have a cigarette and beer and go to bed. You've already had enough beer. I don't give a She gets very hostile. She, she, she's always ready to fight. 
She called the house at 3, 4 in the morning, uh, intoxicated and crying and yelling and screaming and, and, and cussing and carrying on. That guy's a shady mother her. her. Don't with my money, you don't with my cigarettes, you don't my alcohol. She turns into this ball of hatred and rage and all the things in this world that make up evil. Okay, so I just had to play that because the way that it, the sister at the end there expresses that she turns into a ball of fury is just so well put. And the sister, her half-sister, I should say, as well as her mother, might the mother might be an enabler, but neither of them are cruel or like, fuck you, Kim. Like, they, they're just really torn apart by this. But they're, she's absolutely correct. Like, it's it looks like evil. It's really hard to see past anything but, like, the constant fury and anger that is ever-present in Kim's eyes um, and in her attitude. And when she's on the phone screaming, you know, fuck her, fuck him, that motherfucker, she then, like, clocks that the cameras are still on her. Of course, she's wasted. And then she goes into this, like, mode of, like, oh, I'm a baller, and this is my life. Everybody else is crazy. And she goes, nobody fucks with my, or you don't fuck with my money, you don't fuck with my cigarettes, you don't fuck with my alcohol, because that's how she talks when she's drunk. She's like, ha, 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 like cotton mouth. <sighs> so, yeah, that's, like, really bummer, bummer city. Um, That's enough of an overview for me. So what I want to do now is get into kind of where did this start, or I guess, where did her I, not the drinking so much, but where did her like pathological anger and distrust, mistrust, and also sense of entitlement come from? I, you know, we want to know like where did this come from? So, and also, we know she has kids. When's that going to be introduced? She's showing us this giant house, and it's the best house ever for all families, and there's no family in it. So, let's get into that. Sorry, my bad. Before we get to that, I forgot there was this part where um, Kim's half-sister is talking about how Kim will do anything for alcohol. Like, if she wants it, if she needs it, she'll get it. Um, and there is a clip after we hear, or after we read that, excuse me, I'm having some stomach issues and I'm burping and I'm not even drinking. Oh my God, <laughs> I'm just drinking water. Um, but the sister is saying, you know, she'll do whatever it takes to get alcohol. And we see that's true because then we see that, she, you know, she's been arrested for multiple DUIs and public, intox public, <laughs> public intoxication. I swear it's water, you guys. I have to go get my second vaccine in an hour. Oh my God, I'm nervous. I don't want to feel like shit, but I'm also excited to get it. Um, So blah, blah, blah. She's She's facing like months in jail at this point for all these offenses and yet doesn't matter she she'll drive drunk or she'll put herself in danger so there's this little bit where kimberly's going to a friend's house quote unquote friend to pick up a bottle of vodka and i do need to i do need to shed light on the fact that you know not only the substance is dangerous but you know as we see in so many episodes the people that you are willing to to be around or the people that you will allow in your life are usually people you would never allow in your life if you were sober and you wouldn't let them do these things if you were sober and if you were not an addict. Um, so let's just play this clip. The vo There's a voice modulator, but you can just hear somebody tr treating her like trash and being really awful. And then we hear some anecdotes of things that have happened in the past. 
These people that she's running with are also severe alcoholics. What, you using my friendship? Every time I talk to you, it's about you, 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 you. It's all about you, bitch. One's a lonely number, and you're gonna die homeless. Okay, you're right. She's hanging around with these violent people. <coughs> One of them did beat her terribly. And we don't need to get into the details of that. Um, it's pretty gross. Uh, they don't show photos, thankfully, but it, severe head injuries. I'll, I'll just put it that way. Um, and then the mom is just heartbroken because she says, and she willingly knowingly put herself through that because she knew she would get like booze on the other end of it. And so obviously this is a sick person. And then we get Kim saying, you know, when people tell me not to drink, it just makes me more agitated. I just want to drink more. So fuck yourself. I'm 34 years old. I can do what I want, essentially. Then we see Kathleen, Kimberly's aunt, who's crying and saying it's a terrible waste of just a wonderful, wonderful girl. I, you know, I'm curious about that wonderful girl aspect because it seems like in, in her youth, she was also very challenging. So let now, now that I've addressed what I was had forgotten. <laughs> um, we will kind of explore what happened in her childhood and, and how things went awry, if you want to even say that. Mo her mom talks about how, we, of course, we were head over heels about her. But unfortunately, Kimberly's father and I began to grow apart. And um, Kimberly is an only child from this father. Um, and the the dad is kind of saying anecdotally, yeah, I didn't come home at night. Like things weren't good. And the, the her mother is saying, yeah, he, his nature has always been gruff. He's really rough. You know, I just wanted to get her out of there. And so she did. And then Kimberly is like, well, I didn't see my dad for a couple of years. Like, and I, she really resents that. Um, you know, she's really upset that she didn't have a dad. And I get like, that's valid. Not everybody feels that way. But if that's how you feel, and you feel like the dad that you lived with and you were ripped away from isn't interested in you. And it's easier to blame your mom because that's the person that is there for you. I guess I can see how that would happen. But when you're 34 and you're suffering from a, a life-threatening addiction and this is your life, it's like you have to, like, no one can force you to look at it differently. You have to be willing, I guess. So we'll hear a little bit of the background. I'm not going to play all of the, you know, the childhood stuff, but we'll hear a little bit of the background here. I didn't see my dad for a couple of years, not even one time. And he lived in the same town as I did. Kimberly's father really should have been developing a relationship with Kimberly. And that didn't happen. Therefore, it was easier just to disappear at a time when she needed him the most. When it comes to my dad, I really feel pain and upset because I felt like he abandoned me. Why didn't he try to be more of a hands-on dad and be there more? Okay, so there's the first part of it. Of course, it's heartbreaking. Of course, to have a parent not want to follow you, not want to keep up with you, I'm really fortunate. I, I've never had to experience that, and I can't imagine it. Um, I know people who have. I know that they've dealt with it in different ways. Um, so it's no judgment on that pain, right? It's when that pain or that idea becomes an excuse or a reason, permission for you to 
not only harm yourself but others, that's when it's quite problematic and it's also, you know, manipulative. And that's where the whole codependency thing comes from. So after that, of course, things get worse for Kimberly in her mind because her mother remarries uh, when she's nine and has a daughter. And that's the half half sister that we've been mentioning. I was not happy. Now, I had to share my mom. I was working, taking care of a house, keeping up with Kimberly, taking care of the baby. And I think Kimberly felt that she was losing me. I just remember feeling very angry and disappointed towards my mom. Kimberly lashed out, and the situation in the house turned volatile. She made life miserable for everyone. She would rant and rave and badger. So we had one big mess going on, and I wasn't sure how to fix it. And that's when Kimberly, who's 16 and sounds like a nightmare, frankly. I mean, I know I was trouble at 15, but that was just like I was moody and I wanted to like, you know, be left alone. I just wanted to be able to, you know, talk to my friends for more than an hour at at night and whatever. That was about it. Um, And I was moody because I was moody. But wow, um, I do need to say Kimberly's mom does not seem unreasonable. I think she's a mom first and just based on the way she enables Kimberly now, well-meaning, however, however harmful it is, she is well-meaning. Um, she's definitely a devoted mom. Um, but Kimberly really uh, stopped developing and just instead continued nursing this, this anger. Um, and then, of course, when she was 16 and sent away to live with her aunt Erin more than 600 miles away, that was another thing to be angry about and to resent. It's like, now my mom doesn't want me. And I have to wonder if it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, like a child who really doesn't feel loved pushes people away to prove that they are going to abandon them. Or if it's just like childhood petulance that she never grew out of, because Quite frankly, to me, it seems to be the latter. She doesn't really seem to have any emotional intelligence. And that's really unfortunate. And that might have been because she's, you know, she never developed empathy or really emotional awareness or any emotional skills. She and she didn't have support for that. So we can't entirely blame her. Um, But it does sound like she's got a lot of psychological or at least emotional issues as well as behavioral. So, I mean, she got kicked out, which sucks, but also... I'm assuming this was like the 80s, and that was a lot more common back then. Um, there was just a lot less support for women that were single mothers or young mothers or new mothers or women <laughs> at all. So there's a lot of factors. So, okay, so now Kimberly is sent to move with her Aunt Erin, and they don't, they kind of gloss over really how that goes. Um, she just moves to North Carolina, she feels abandoned. And that's 16, so I'm assuming she stays there. And definitely, they don't clarify, does she move home, whatever. But all we know is that at 23, so that would be seven years after being you know, sent to North Carolina, Kimberly gets married. And then, this is surprising. I didn't expect this. Um, but what we see is Kimberly feels really, really happy because she finally feels loved. Somebody really likes her, right? And then 
he doesn't cheat or leave or anything, but they have two kids really quickly. And again, Kimberly is very stunted and I have, I don't know that she would have had any ability to take care of children other than, you know, learning from her aunt maybe. Um, but I can see why that would be a huge struggle. She's only 23. She gets pregnant right away and has two kids like back to back. Um, that's really hard. And then when you're young and you don't have like really any emotional tools or skills and it's still all about you, it's going to be about how things are hard for you. And then you're going to start to self-medicate, which is exactly what happens. Um, and Kimberly cites the fact that her husband was gone so much for work as kind of the primary reason uh, that this happened. Um, so let's, we'll get a little bit of background on this marriage. Um, and honestly, the way that I think it made things worse in the long run. And she quickly settled into being a wife and raising her sons. I think Kimberly was in love with the fact that her husband showed interest in her and wanted to take care of her. I thought, this is it. She's going to make it. This is it. He loves her. She loves him. They're going to do good. It's going to be great. So that's when we learned, okay, that's when he started traveling for business up to five days a week. That is a lot, dude. I'm not going to lie. Abandoned again or alone. She needed more from her husband and maybe didn't get what she needed, like when she was little. Just looking for something that would make her feel fulfilled. I wanted more emotional gratification, so it just made sense to me to just drink, so she started drinking. Right. Um, and that does make sense, just pathologically. So she needs, she's really, really needy. It's not a marriage so much as it is a man validating this woman by loving her and then her falling apart when he can't validate her constantly. And I'm assuming children getting very neglected, um, and especially when she starts to drink. So I just want to make it clear here, Kimberly, like no, even her family doesn't say like, they were so in love, da da da, that was perfect. It's more they're saying he loved her and that made her feel good and safe right which is dangerous because if the only if your self-worth relies on one person like paying enough attention to you it's never going to be enough and you're going to eventually be led into this and also moving forward when she speaks about her children she doesn't talk about missing them so much she talks about how she was a good mom i was a good mom i was a mom i i i so it's all about you know how things affect her security and safety and emotional well-being. Not her children's, not her husband's, not her family's, really nobody except herself. And it's to a point where it's like she's not, it doesn't occur to her that she would even live any other way, which makes, with again, is what leads me to believe that her social emotional development di didn't go past like maybe six years old. And that's not exaggeration. It's just that that's around the time that you learn empathy and you start seeing things um, not as just a mirror image of reflection of yourself. Like you don't think people see everything you see. You, you start to understand that people see different things physically and emotionally, et cetera. So following this, we get some, you know, some synopsis of the downfall. Um, they end up divorcing um, after she would drink and drink and drink and you know, 
eventually she loses custody of her children. No big surprise. A big problem. There was one time when Kimberly left her kids at home to go get booze and drank the vodka on the way back. She was out of control. That's when I had to hold her down. She was in custody of her children, and she didn't care enough to not drink. And then at 28, Kimberly's arrested for child endangerment while drunk. Tons. And the next year, she loses custody of them, her ex-husband. So that means it's been about five it years. It just, it blew me away. After she lost her children, she started disappearing for days on end. Nobody knew where she was, who she was staying with. And then she goes on to kind of serial date guys that will enable her and really just putting herself in a lot of danger as we do when we are addicted. You know, she's not the only one. So we're going to take a break here for one second. And here we are going to get some right from the horse's mouth, some insight into how Kimberly uh, sees herself, how she normalizes things, how she justifies things, and how it fools no one. We're going to go out on the back patio. I'm going to enjoy a cocktail and a cigarette. I'm an alcoholic, but I think, hey, I'm normal. I'm just like everyone else. Many brilliant people, inventors, artists, presidents, Nobel Peace Prize winners were alcoholics. I am one of the nicest people you'll ever meet in your life. I'm a great mother. I'm a good person. She is in extreme denial like no one I've ever seen. The reality of that situation is Kimberly has absolutely nothing. She doesn't have a dime to her name. She's living with her boyfriend and he provides a roof over her head. She doesn't have her children. She has no self-worth, self-value whatsoever. And boom, there it is. That's the fact of the matter. This is just another way, a facade that, you know, Kim is, Kimberly is using mostly for herself. I mean, as we hear, no one is buying it, but it's for herself to believe. She needs to believe that she's a good mom and a nice person and, a, you know, equal to a Nobel Prize winner. <laughs> so it's sad. It's really sad. It's bleak. Um, and then as we move on, we do get more into the relationship between um, between Kim and her boyfriend. There's a scene, I'm not going to play it because it's it feels like false tears. I don't know. I feel like she's crying for herself, and I don't think that that deserves more airtime from me. She's not crying for her son, but she reads this. I mean, I guess she is, but it's about her. She's reading this poem, like, you know, not that he wrote, but that like he made in preschool, he put his little fingerprints on it and it's framed. It's like a Mother's Day gift that you, a preschool teacher would have their students make <clears throat> that one of her sons made. She's reading it and she's crying. And all she has to say is like, I was a good mom. I was a good mom. And it's like, no, you weren't. 
um, you should acknowledge that you weren't in that way you could change and then you could be his mom again. But that doesn't really seem to be what where her brain is at. You know, she's saying things like, it's not like I'd leave them out in the car running in the winter and all that. And her mom's saying, you know, she can say anything she wants, but, you know, in reality, she's not a mom. She's not anything, you know? And then here Kimberly is just like, no one's going to change my lifestyle. Um, and then there's a sequence where we start learning more about her and Steven. It's, it's, Steven is her boyfriend. It's a strange situation. I'm going to play some audio and then we'll, we'll get into that. Shut up. <laughs> I'll spray this right in your eyeball. You wouldn't do that to me? Uh, yeah, I would. No. My boyfriend, Steven, means so much to me. He is one of the best guys I've ever met. When I met her, I found her attractive. She seemed to be enthusiastic and energetic and had had a few tough breaks. Come on, buddy. You ready? He is successful. He has money. He was just very, very driven. What I do for a living is um, fixed properties, multifamily, commercial complexes. I go in to assess it, figure out what needs to be done, and then try to get that asset back to performing. In the sense with Kimberly, I mean, I see a lot of potential in her. So I use some of the skill set that I had to figure out how to correct all her problems, get her back on track, and get her life back on track. Kimberly's boyfriend, Stephen, he seems to be very intelligent, and it makes me wonder why he cares so much about Kimberly. He's either some kind of crazy saint, or he's just a little crazy. Okay, there is a whole other aspect to this relationship that's like one of the reasons this is the a banger. It's not just like Kimberly and her dopey boyfriend who doesn't get it. It's like, oh, so Steven, I don't know what he is. He cares about Kimberly enough to take care of it. Like he, he's invested in wanting to help her. He has absolutely no idea how to do that. And he ends up doing really harmful, bad shit, but he seems to not totally understand why it's bad. So I'm sort of wondering, like, is it a lack of ethics or is it a lack of true understanding, like a, a, a gap in learning history? Because I don't know Stephen's story. I mean, he may have his own developmental issues and he may really not know when he's doing something that's wrong. Like he seems, he seems at all beats to think he's helping and he's not like this narcissistic maniacal like you'll do what I say type guy so it doesn't seem like it's about him but I'm saying this because what happens is what happened was four months ago from this recording Stephen locked Kimberly in a spare bedroom for three days to detox her from alcohol that's super super dangerous in case you don't know um you you will you could die you could seize and die immediately if you're that level of alcoholic the amount of alcohol she's drinking that's everything the only thing going into her body so let's get a little bit of audio about her take on that and just the family's take on that um just so you know no one's okaying it and then like 
he gets his what for at the end. It's just bizarre. These are the doors. This is me trying to get out of the door. I took one of my high heels and just went, just started hitting, hitting. I was advised by my attorneys, you cannot lock her in a room against her will. You know, but I did it anyways. But he I asked his lawyers first. You know, I'm the guy that makes the difficult decisions because I can. It seems like he felt like, oh, I know how to handle things like this with buildings and objects and money. And he applied these like logics, these this logic to human behavior that just doesn't belong there. Then we hear, of course, sudden alcohol withdrawal can result in grand mal seizures, brain damage and death, which that's why it's like took my phone away by the radio water. Perishable snack. I mean, I felt like I was in a f insane asylum. If you constantly beat an animal, you can't break it. To break something, you've got to bring it up, smash it down, bring it up, smash it down. Haunting. That's so fucking haunting. It's like, see what I mean? He's using these, these practical, a little bit barbaric ideas and principles on her that he's got he's learned from wherever else and who knows what his childhood was like i mean it's almost sort of like a military attitude so i really don't know but he's not abusive in any other way that we know of and i i feel like that would have come out um it's so wild you guys i just this this whole story and we're not even you don't even know you don't even know where it's going the minute he did let me out i walked to the nurse liquor store came back, locked myself back in, proceeded to get drunk. In my mind, Kimberly doesn't really have any problems. I mean, it's just the alcoholism, so that can be overcome. And there you have it. He just has no understanding of emotional well-being, health, trauma, anything. And that, again, would go along with somebody who doesn't have very many social-emotional skills himself. You know, he wouldn't know how to help somebody else because he wouldn't know how to understand himself. So I'm just chalking it up to dude doesn't get it, means well, but really shouldn't be trying to help at all. As Jeff says later, you you made yourself the treatment center and you suck <laughs> as a treatment center. Oof. Anyway, so we keep moving, chugging along. <laughs> no pun intended. And then we get to a point where this is sort of random. Kimberly's mother is going to help prepare for Stephen's birthday party, but then leave. And it's just the two of them. And this is just like a really good example of how Kimberly infantilizes herself and her mother reinforces it out of guilt. So basically Kimber, Kimberly, though she is the mother of two children, she doesn't see acts as though she's younger than those two children when she's with her own mom. It's, pr it's a pretty dark dichotomy here. Meg has a heart of gold and she will do anything for her children. Kim definitely takes advantage of that and treats my mother like she's just a servant in Kim's world, basically. Um, pick me up just not a big box of wine, but one bottle of white wine. What else are we using mayonnaise for? 
All right, bye. Meg has given her life to Kimberly. She has done everything possible to try to help her, sometimes maybe too much. I have taken her to detox centers. I have researched rehab. Where are you going? I have provided supervised visits for her so that she could spend time with her children. I have driven back and forth at all hours of the day or night whenever she needed me. I could go on and on. I can't believe You seem irritable, are you? You just don't feel good or what? I don't feel good and you didn't give me my wine. Well, Kim, you need to be sober for this party. Enough, Mom. No, it isn't enough. Here. Hey, you know what, Kim? We need to get cooking. We are. Hey. I'm very irritated with her because I know she did not. A, get wine. And when I don't get what I want, there's all of it. B, the salary looks like She knew I'd be like, yuck. So why'd she volunteer to come do this? I mean, really? Why? Kimberly blames her mother for all of her misery because she feels like she has been abandoned, but I believe it's because she's sick. Absolutely. It's because she's sick. And as she goes on to say, she refuses to be honest with herself or anyone. And unfortunately, Meg feels guilt for some things that are not her fault and continues to enable. And that's really, really bad because everything that Kim is doing is being reinforced because her mother is helping her. So in Kim's mind, she can keep doing this forever. Uh, and just the way she actually is like, Ugh, and she got that celery that was looked like shit and she knew it'd be like, ugh. It's like, girl, this is your party, bitch. Like, this is for your boyfriend. I don't even understand the dynamics of like who's coming or what. But your mom had to drive to the store and go shopping for you because you're incapable of doing that for yourself. And not because you're you have any actual disability so right and the other thing i wanted to mention is during all of that audio <laughs> kim is while kim's mother is making everything kim is hiding in the pantry sneaking drinks pulling drags off this beer and then she's like she can get me my wine it's like she has all this alcohol already but no i needed that wine almost feels like it was a test maybe wouldn't put it past her okay so anyway um we move forward. Then we don't see this party. I'm sure they didn't want it on air. Um, but Kimberly's a dick when her mom leaves, and her mom's just a sobbing mess, like she's gonna die, and I'm so worried. And then we get some Kimberly visiting her dad moment, and she's definitely way different with her dad because it's more like, "Daddy, please love me," right? Because even though she blames her mom and feels abandoned by her mom, she she does know that her mom loves her, and so she she really uses her mother to make her feel guilty to get things as opposed to actually desperately seeking love from her mom, which is what she does from her dad. So we find out at some point that Kimberly um, and her dad, Dan, reunited um, originally after 15 years of being apart. So I'm guessing like when she was about 18, probably before she got married around the time she got married. Now she's 34 and uh, she hasn't seen him in almost a year. 
because he refuses to be with her when she is intoxicated. And she shows up here not intoxicated, but he's still quite harsh and disgusted with her. So let's see what that sounds like. Hey, Dad. How are you? Good. How about you? Good. How are you been? Good. My relationship with my father has been difficult throughout my life. However, I did get close with my father again. Now, since my alcoholism has taken over, it's really affected my relationship with my father because he doesn't want to be right. When I get together with Kim today, I guess it's a situation of disgust. You look pretty bad, you know that? Thanks, Dad. Well? I've been sick, Dad. How much you been drinking lately? Is that part of the sickness? No. Yeah, how many times have I heard that? Dad, please don't lecture. Please don't lecture? Yes, Dad. You're my daughter, what am I supposed to do? Love me for who I am. He makes me feel as though I'm a piece of It's very discouraging for me, and it truly shatters me inside. You know, as much as you would very much like to have a relationship with your father, I, you know, we're not gonna have it under your terms. It goes on like this. Basically, he wants to hold this ultimatum in front of her without offering her any kind of support. Healthy support. I don't mean enabling. Um, you know, he's not like, hey, you know, you're my daughter and I love you. I want to spend time with you. I want to help you. Let's talk about how to help you. Seeing how this is playing out, if he weren't lecturing but were offering help, I think she'd at least be more receptive to, the, to him than anybody else. And um, you know, because he's the one that's withheld affection for so long and he's still withholding affection, thinking that's, that's going to be an effective way to get her to give up drinking. Like it's not just going to catapult her into drinking more. You know, there's just, the trouble is that there's so, there's no education around addiction. Like we don't learn about it unless it's already affecting us or somebody in our family, but it's such a prevalent thing, disease, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's insane to me that it's not taught to us. It's like, don't teach them about it. They might want to do it. And it's like, not really. I mean, if you teach them about it effectively, then they wouldn't want to do it. And I'm not talking about fucking dare and um, like, you know, just say no. I'm talking about, you know, the psychology of addiction. I'm talking about like, what is addiction? Where does it come from and why? Not like, don't do drugs. They're bad. Drugs are whatever. Like, yeah, I get it. They're bad. They're good. They're whatever. They're, they are what you make them. But just that addiction is different than a substance. Addiction is the issue, right? Addiction is the problem. And, and we need to be learning about that. I mean, besides from intervention. <laughs> so I don't really want to give her dad more screen time here or airtime here. I don't, he doesn't offer anything. Um, he's just like, what's the plan? What are you going to do about it? Not putting her, like pinning her up against a wall instead of being like, how are we going to do this? He could have just said fucking we. But of course, to him, that's a weakness, right? 
because he's just got his own issues. Um, and she says, I might never get sober, but I'm still your only child. I don't think she says it to his face. I'm pretty sure she says that in the over the dialogue. Um, and, you know, basically the, the voiceover is her aunt saying Kimber or her mom saying Kimberly needs her father to tell her that he loves her. That's like all the, like, that's just, she needs that desperately. Um, but that's something that he feels he shouldn't do unless she's not using. So it's really counterintuitive. So we're going to go in, um, and play some audio of the pre-intervention because Jeff Van Vonderen, baby, my favorite is here to knock some sense into people. Okay, let's do it. Everything that comes out of her mouth tomorrow, except yes to treatment is noise. And, you know, she can be pretty noisy. So we're not responding to the noise. We're not engaging the noise. Up until now, the noise has been running the show. But she's not running the intervention. I'm running the intervention. Sometimes people get addicted to substances. Their body learns to need it. And then it gives you a signal if you don't have it called withdrawal. The most dangerous withdrawal is alcohol. That's why we send people first to a supervised medical detox. The rule is there's no detox till you get to detox. That means you've been the treatment center. You're the treatment center. Steve, you suck. You don't know what you're doing. So you got to stop being the treatment center and the detox and the interventionist, and we got to get the real ones involved, and then she'll get better. It's just. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut him off there, but that's basically the gist. He's like, it's just that simple because that's literally how it works. Um, excuse me. So I want to get him talking about codependency a little bit here. So let's get that in. I have a friend of mine who's a pretty big gun in the whole field of codependency. Her definition of codependency, chronic neglect of self. Ugh, she's definitely codependent. The queen chronic of. Chronic <laughs> neglect of self, because it's all about that. Yeah. On the table right now is... So he is talking to Meg, the mom. He's not talking about Kimberly uh, in terms of being codependent and self-neglectful. And so he, um, I'll play it again, but... He said, on the table right now is... Two of you could go to the Betty Ford family program for a week. Because the best support you can be to her is be in recovery yourself. Your health is the most important thing. You need to be well, whether she's well or not. Because once her problem is her problem, then the odds go up that she'll get help because right now she gets to have the problem and you get to have the pain and consequences. Boom. That's why I fucking love Jeff, dude. He just makes it make sense. And it's not because he's just repeating the same thing over and over again. It's because he knows what to say. Like he can talk about it for hours, but at the bottom line, he knows what to say and he knows how to make this clear. I, I just have never heard anybody so succinctly describe to a group of people that are quite possibly the least primed for this kind of intervention, what behavior really is and how you really change it, you know, the real way, not 
the way you've been doing, you know, and he's not, I don't think he's a jerk, but he is stern. And he did look her boyfriend in the eye and go, you know, you don't start the detox until the detox starts. Like you don't fucking try to lock her in a closet, dude. So that all falls in line with, you know, what I would expect Jeff to say and also what the family needs to hear. And they, you know, they discuss further and further and they know she's going to come walk into the intervention. And of course I'll play that. But before that happens, I feel that at least there's a good um, understanding of like, this woman is a child that's been taking advantage of us for so long and it doesn't change the fact that we love her or whatever, but she can't keep calling the shots. She is manipulating us. This is one manipulation 101. She's got the strings, we're the dolls, and then she's crying victim. And so it's going to be a rude awakening for her, obviously, when she walks in and finds out that for real, that can't keep going on um, for the most part. So, right. So it's... um. The intervention is interesting. It's not explosive or anything. It's to me, what's really interesting is um, what becomes of Kim, like her choices in rehab when she, I'll get, I'll get to it when I get to it, but I have a lot to say about that. But first we can play a little bit of the inf- intervention. Um, I don't want to play all of it because I don't think that that's necessary. So... Here we go. She saw me and she shut the door. What am I doing? I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) This what? Morning, Kim. You're looking good today. Thanks. You look beautiful. Thank Thank you. you. Snappy dress. Come on in. No. Kimberly. Kimberly. Come in and sit down. Let's see what we've got to say. Oh, your shoes match. It's okay, Kim. Come on. Or whatever. Today is about you. Today, come on, Kim. It's okay. I'm right here. Just listen. You look snappy. Damn, shoes even match. We asked for the assistance of Mr. Van Vondren. Are you listening to me? Hey, at least say hi. Hello. Hi. Well, I came in yesterday and spent some time with these guys. They love you like crazy. You know that. But they're losing you, and they want to get you back. So today is about trying to do that. Just listen, and then you're going to do what you're going to do. All right? Okay. Take a deep breath. Fine. Okay, so her dad reads a letter. It's harsher than it needs to be. Um... She rolls her eyes a lot. It's not what she needs to hear right now. (laughs) But then he starts going into what she does want to hear. So I'm just going to dip into that. It's probably going to be mid-sentence, but okay. Much wanted a father-daughter relationship. I too would like to nurture our relationship. I love you. He finally says it and finally cries. Ow. 
that's pretty big. She's finally moved by something. Dear Kimberly, Here's Mom. I'm here today because I love you so dearly. You have gone from the loving, caring, nurturing person to someone I don't even know. I have seen your health deteriorate. Your sparkle is gone from your eyes. All you want to do is drink. This makes me scared, full of anxiety, anger, fear. You have no regard for the worry and the pain you're inflicting on me. If you refuse to get help today, I will no longer participate in your life in any capacity. Your addiction will no longer destroy my life. Amen. I will most assuredly say goodbye. She looks a little frozen, like, it's true. Are you for real? So please, Kimberly, will you get help today? That's a question. What do you think? You gotta be kidding me. Really? <sighs> She's the worst. Sorry. Kimberly, look in my eyes. You're driving me nuts, I should say. Look in my eyes. Please. No. So, of course, we're left with this cliffhanger. Um, spoiler alert, they give some letters that are written by her children. I'm going to let, I'm going to, this is just powerful. This is powerful because it's, she doesn't even get that her children are capable of this kind of exp ex expression because she, quite frankly, isn't and hasn't ever been, I don't think. So the dad's going to read a letter from her son. Irene, Mom, I feel sad that you chose to drink and chose alcohol over me. When you were drinking around us, you made me feel scared and in danger. I get really disappointed when you promise that you are going to show up for things like hockey and then you don't show up. It makes me feel real mad. You disappoint me so many times that I just expect you not to be there for me. I still love you, but every time you keep disappointing me, I feel like I love you less. I don't like that. I wish you would get help to quit drinking. You can be a brand new person, a brand new mom. Nobody can prepare you for what heights you soar until you spread your wings. And he really wrote that? <laughs> Absolutely. So that's pretty powerful. And that that's what it takes at least to get her to say yes for this. 
And they're like, yeah, you did it. And she's just like, meh. And then she gets in the van. Go get them, girl. She's going to go to Synergy Group Services in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Um, She just looks pretty, like, uh, numb. I don't know if numb, but, like, she's put on, like, a... Just a flat, flat, like a very flat affect face. And then she talks about how she's happy to be there and like it's meaningful and stuff. And then we see her three months later and guys, I'm not impressed. <laughs> she doesn't really look different even though she's been sober, um, which is one thing. I mean, that's fine. But she's also like, it. this is all pure bullshit. Just, just listen. I'm 92 days sober, and I feel great. She still can't smile. Is it pretty? At this point, Kimberly has difficulty taking responsibility for, uh, for her actions. She lacks a tremendous amount of insight. My little bouquet of assorted wheat. I feel good about myself. I feel good about who I am today. Sorry to pause it. This is a direct, like, this is like such a direct answer to the beginning where she's like, I love my house. This is where I live. These are my beautiful things where it's fake and her tone doesn't match. And now she's like, I love who I am. I love the way I feel. This is great. And she looks miserable and sounds miserable. And her therapist's like, yeah, she doesn't, um, she has not gotten very far. <laughs> So after completing treatment, she went back to Indiana to live with Stephen. And girl, now we see her in 16 Lighters in a lockup facility at a prison. Episode is so good. days after returning home, Kimberly was arrested for public intoxication. After refusing the breathalyzer, Kimberly was taken into police custody where she is awaiting sentencing. To anyone who thinks I relapsed, um, you're wrong. <laughs> I didn't do it. Was it me? The police officer said that he smelled alcohol on me from three feet away, but I, I don't know, that could have been, I was wearing a lot of perfume, so maybe that was it, you know, who knows? I mean, it basically boils down to a he said, she said thing. Betty Ford warned us that, you know, like eight out of 10 people will relapse. That's a normal thing. The question is, how do they deal with that relapse? I hope Kimberly's arrest is a wake-up call and she takes this really serious and realizes that if she is sober, there is a future, and if she continues to drink, there is no future. Uh, Stephen and Kimberly's mother, Meg, 
like attended the Betty Ford. Kimberly says she's so that's it you guys wow we did it looks like we made it made it after all i don't know i don't remember the words i'm gonna cut that out um okay so thank you for joining thank you for being patient and again please feel free to rate review subscribe if you do rate and subscribe i'm sorry rate and review and subscribe i mean please do that as well but if you leave us a review either here on and what did we learn or coast to coast cocktails or both i'll give you double merch i don't care um you are you're not just eligible you are getting free merch so all you have to do is leave that review it doesn't have to be long it can just be a little emoji as i always say um i mean i would like for you to do this only if it's positive <laughs> like I mean, you could be honest. I like constructive criticism, but if you go on there and you're like, Sarah's a fucking cunt, I don't think I'm going to send you merch. Just just a warning. Um, and please don't do that. But I, yeah, so please leave those reviews. And um, the next episode I'll be releasing is another of the top crazy hits. Um, and it is season 12. And I, I believe it's episode shoot guys i lost it season 12 of intervention episode what <laughs> okay well i can tell you the name it's andrew and this is actually one that was requested by uh betsy and i was thinking of doing it and uh, now thanks to betsy i'm absolutely going to do it because it is wild um and just for a lot of reasons. It's also an eating disorder episode, but it's like, even for an eating disorder episode, it's just beyond. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for your patience. It's patience. Season 12, episode 20, Andrew. And that aired in 2013. So I was right. Kimberly aired in 2012. Yay. Happy. Proud of myself for knowing things. All right. Thank you again, everybody. Love you so much. I will, I will talk to you again very soon. Um, I should have a new Patreon drop coming soon. Justine and I are going to record our next after hours tonight, as long as I'm not dying of COVID vaccine. So if not, we'll do it tomorrow, but you can look forward to that coming up this week on the Patreon. If you're not a Patreon member, you can join at any level and get all of our bonus content for free. That means even if you can only donate a dollar a month, that's totally chill. Um, our bottom tier is five. And with that tier, you you get some perks as well. Shout outs and all kinds of being able to choose things. And I'm going to mix up my tiers too, just to, to make it a little interesting. So please go to patreon.com slash A-W-D-W-L. Um, and anything you can pledge monthly is fine by me even again even if it's a buck um and then you'll still get all that free content like and there's a lot i i i do my darndest to post a new episode every week and as well as bonus episodes as well as early access when i'm able to provide that aka when i make my episodes early enough to give you early access <laughs> okay so without further ado i will talk to you guys next time thank you so much keep learning bye it's my party.